We get it. Making new relationships and strengthening existing ones is not always easy. Sometimes we wonder if we are establishing good friendships in our lives, or even if we're a friend others would want to have in their life. We long for people with which we can share the moments of joy, spend our day with, confide in. We crave authenticity and depth with one another. But how do we even get there? The good news is, the Bible has answers for improving our relationships and being the kind of friend others deserve. We need this because we're better together. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. And all of our campuses, we're so grateful that you are a part in person at Sugar Creek today. We're seeing so many people come back and we're so grateful. This church continues to return at an amazing pace. I talk to other pastors, I hear what's happening in other churches, and I'm so proud of this church and how you are coming back so quickly, and I'm, I'm, I'm deeply thankful. And for all of you that are watching online, I mean, some of you are living in this area and you're watching online, but so many of you live so many other places, and you have joined us again at Sugar Creek for this time of worship, and we welcome you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I found out something about our online viewing that I did not know. And so last week, I mentioned one of the things that I had been, I'd been told. We have now reached people that are now watching us online from all 50 states in the United States. And I, that blew me away. I don't even know how that's happened. But it has happened and it is amazing. But there is something else today that I want to tell you that's brand new and I want to share it with you. I found out that we now have 32 countries. People from 32 countries that are actually watching us, this service with us today online, and we welcome each and every one of you. Now, we can figure that the United States, there'd be more people in the United States that's watching, but what about the other countries? Well, let me give you the top five countries that have the most people that are joining us week after week. The number one country is Guatemala. Yes, Guatemala. Guatemala is in Central uh, America and it is right below Mexico. I would not be a bit surprised that many, maybe most, are joining us week after week to hear Juan Carlos, Pastor Juan Carlos and our Spanish ministry. It is just fantastic and we welcome all of you from Guatemala. The second country is Germany. Yeah, Germany. The third country is Scotland. I know, I, I'm stunned by all of this. The fourth country is the Philippines on the other side of the world. Wow. And then the fifth country that has the most people that are watching us is the great country of Canada, our neighbors, and we welcome our neighbors that are with us. Now, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. All the campuses, all the campuses, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate all these people that are online that God has given us a chance to reach. Let's give them an applause today. We love you. We're so grateful for you. 
Now, speaking of online, I've got great news for you today. If you are needing more online friends, the good news is you can buy them. Yes, you can buy for a small fee, you can buy new friends that will be online friends. Let me give you the three websites so that you can go and and talk to them after the service is over. The first one is called sociallyup.com. And for just $30, you can get 500 likes on whatever it is you post. Wow, you are famous. But listen, if you wanna go all out for $700, you can get 20,000 likes. And then when you get the 20,000 likes, invite your other friends that are real live friends, or your family members, look, they will be stunned. Look at all the people that know me and love me. Then go to Fan Me Now, Fan Me Now, get that down. For $10, you can buy 1,000 Twitter followers, yes? And did you know that if you want to just go all in, for $1,750, you can have one million, one million Twitter friends. So the next time you tweet, oh, I'm on my way to the grocery store. One million, yay, we're watching you. It's just encouraging. It is just so wonderful. Every time you have a meaningless tweet, You know so many people out there actually aren't really reading it. You just bought them, but but others don't know. Here's the third one. The third one is called 500views.com, and if you upload a video like the whole world is doing onto YouTube, you upload a video, doesn't even matter how good the video is. You can, for $150, have 30,000 people who are following you, who see, they don't really, but it looks like see that video. And if you want to go viral, it'll cost you $3,100, but you can have 1 million people supposedly seeing your video and you can go viral. You're starting your own virus by going viral with $3,100. You can have fake friends and fake likes and fake followers. And the key word is fake. Why do people do that? See now, every time I'm seeing how many people have followers, now I'm questioning Are these really, do they just know where the websites are? Why do people do this? Because everybody needs a sense of affirmation and validation. And that is really true. Look, I'm not knocking it. Every single one of us that are kicking, who are alive, need validation in our life. We need affirmation in our life. And I know that. And at least part of my message today, what I want to talk to you about today is that very idea. We're in a series entitled Friends. We're better together. And this morning, I want us to talk about this idea. I want us to talk about why your friends need you and why you need 
them. I came across three verses of scripture and when you bring them together, it's a powerful word that speaks into the whole idea of relationships. And so take a look. Romans chapter 15 and verse two says this, we who are strong in the faith ought to help the weak in order to build them up in the faith. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11, encourage one another and build each other up. What he's saying in these two verses is there is an opportunity and a responsibility. In order to build another person up, you're building a relationship with someone, you can help build them up. The third verse that I wanna draw your attention to is Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine, and here's what it says. Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. Verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Here's what I'm doing today. In this series, as we've been walking through this whole relationship thing about first becoming a friend with God, and then the whole idea of changing some things inside of us. And last week, the whole concept of what are the costs of being a friend? This morning, I want you to see that the Bible is actually saying to us, I want you to take the idea of friendship to a deeper level. We have a friendship with other people because we have things in common with them and we just love hanging out with them. They're, they're good people and we, we connect with them. We, 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 we speak to each other's life. Yay, that is the truth about friendship. But now I'm challenging you to take that friendship and go deeper. Go to another level and take what the Bible is saying. You and I can build each other up. You, can, you and I can help each other succeed. Now the question is, how do we do it? And I want to talk about four key things. It doesn't mean these are the only four, but four key things that can help us along this way. And the first is simply this. Friends help each other reach their potential. Every single one of us in this room When God knit us together in our mother's womb, he put so many talents and abilities in our life. It is unbelievable how much strength, how many talents, how many abilities that you have in your life. Some we find ourselves, we uncover them, but some we are blind to, we have blinders on, but our friends who are so close to us see things in us. We didn't see for ourselves. And that's part of the reason for friendship, to help build us up, help us understand who God made us to be. One of the great things that we do here is baby dedication. And I actually, I just love to do it. I didn't really love the idea of I couldn't hold the baby and for like a year or more, I couldn't do that. But now we're back to me getting to hold the baby and I've always loved doing that. I love kids and I, I, I love to have that little baby in my arms. Sometimes they slobber. On me, you don't see it, but I feel it, and then I see it, and then I have to wipe it off. And there are other times there's activity going on underneath. There's vibrations, there's noise, and I, so, yay God for diapers. 
But in that time that we dedicate that baby and the family to the Lord, one of the things that God just led my heart to do years ago, and you'll, you'll hear me say this, and it's very frequent, oh God, thank you for the talents and the abilities and the strengths you have built into this little bitty baby. I'm looking at their little face, cute little face, and, and all the talents they have, and all the ways that they are going to touch so many people in this world, and it's true. You and I won't uncover all the strengths that we have until we get to the end of our life. Part of the joy of life is that we find new things. I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I had that talent. And part of the fun of going through life is uncovering those things that God has done in us and built within our lives. Part of the responsibility of friends is to help point out and call out those things that our friends have not seen about themselves, but you see, and to spur them on. You probably have not heard of uh, the guy. I, I, I'm sure I heard his name. You probably heard his name too, simply because he's been in the NFL so long, but it never stu stuck with me. The, Tony Richardson played 17 years in the NFL. Here's a picture of Tony Richardson. Now look, the average time in the NFL is what, two or three years? And if a guy sticks for 17 years, he's something. He has talent, he is getting something accomplished. He played for the Cowboys, played for the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Jets for 17 years. And he was all during that time a fullback. And his primary job as a fullback wasn't running the ball. Now he did run the ball and he did score touchdowns and he was very effective in that area. But the greatest purpose of that fullback is to make the guy behind him famous. It is to block, it is to help the guy that is the chief running back be more and more successful. Here is Tony Richardson and he spent his entire career trying to make somebody else famous and successful. And he did a really good job of it. In 2001, he was playing for the Chiefs and he was told during the off season, you're gonna be the primary running back this next year. And he was really excited about it. But when they got the camp, there was this young guy that he'd never seen before. And he was in camp for the first time, Priest Holmes. And when he saw Priest Holmes run, when he saw the moves this guy had, when he saw his ability, he went to priest and he said to him, you're the guy, not me, you are the guy. And let me just tell you this, I'm gonna block for you, I'm gonna encourage you, I'm gonna help you, I am gonna help you be the greatest success that you ever dreamed you could be. That's what he told him. And did you know that that year, Priest Holmes was the leading rusher in the entire NFL? More yardage than anybody else? And a big part of the reason was because of Tony Richardson. Priest said, it would be late at night, all of a sudden, he gets a phone call, and it's Tony. And Tony said, did you see yourself on SportsCenter? You are amazing. And he said, he did that all the time. And he said, he cared more that I was on SportsCenter than, than I even cared. He was the most selfless man I've ever been around. Now, when he came to the end of his 17 years of his career, the running backs that he had helped grow and build, they said this about him totally selfless man, 
During the game, he would walk up to us and he would encourage us. We got stopped, we got, uh, we got tackled behind the line. He would come and say, it's not your fault. You, this next time, get ready because I'm gonna be opening a hole for you. He would encourage, he would coach. He was one of the coaches, even though he wasn't. They said that he was the most incredible guy that he, they'd ever been with in the NFL. And when he retired, he was considered to be one of the greatest fullbacks in NFL history and one of the best friends. God is actually calling you and me, us, in the relationships that we have in our life. We love hanging out. We love being with this person. We love their personality. We enjoy it. But part of what he wants us to do is to take it to the next step and be a part of helping our friend Take their lives to the next level. Find things, see things that we can call out in their life so they can reach their destiny, so they can reach their pot potential. So how do we do that? Well, take a look at what he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Encourage one another and build each other up. I don't know, maybe there are some that are listening to me right now and you, you have not, you didn't know the story of Gideon. It's tucked away in uh, the book of Judges in the Old Testament. So if you didn't know the, the story, it's okay. But, but listen to this story. Here is this guy named Gideon in the Old Testament. And Gideon is, you start reading the story, you begin on the story of Gideon, and it's obvious he's a coward. He is. He's nothing special. He's a coward. He's afraid. He is uh, intimidated. He's hiding. And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. And it's God, he's bringing a message from God, and here's what God says to Gideon. You are a man of great courage. You are a valiant warrior. And Gideon had to, he had to have looked behind him. Did somebody come up behind me I didn't see? Is he talking to me? What happened was when God spoke to Gideon's life. He didn't speak to who Gideon was at that moment. It's that God saw what was true inside of him that nobody else saw, that Gideon didn't see. No one saw, but God knew the truth about who Gideon really was. And God called it out. Well, guess what happens? Gideon becomes a man of incredible courage. Gideon lives up to the words that God spoke over his life. He's the story. He's the guy that takes 500 people and conquers 100,000 Midianites. And then he is the ruler. He's the, the leader over Israel for many years. This is Gideon, the coward. But look what God did. God knows what you're capable of. You may feel weak but God calls you strong. You may be intimidated today, but God calls you confident. You may feel less than, but God calls you well able. You probably know the story of Peter in the New Testament. I mean, in the New Testament, we know a lot more. And if you look at the New Testament, there was a lot of great characters in the New Testament, but, but the chief three, obviously, is Jesus, and then Peter and Paul. 
Peter was one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Jesus called him out to come and be his disciple. But when he called him out to be his disciple, his name was not Peter. His name was Simon. Did you know that? His name wasn't Peter, it was Simon. And Jesus called Simon to be his disciple. And then Jesus changed his name. Why did he change Simon's name to Peter? The name Peter means the rock. But Peter was anything but a rock. I mean, you're reading these stories during those three years of Jesus' ministry. He's rash. You never know what he's going to say next. He's always got his foot in his mouth. He's emotional. He's not a guy you can count on. And look, right before Jesus is crucified, he denied he even knew Jesus three times. How in the world is he a rock? But what happened is that Jesus saw in him what he could not see in himself. And Jesus renamed him Rocky. And after the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon Peter's life and all of a sudden everything changed. He had the power of the Holy Spirit in him and that power of God's Spirit in him changed, helped him realize what God had already put inside of him. And he became the rock. Everyone turned to him. Everybody looked to him. He became an amazing leader. Jesus had seen it. And there is in your friends some things they have never seen before. They've never understood, but you've seen it. You've seen the glimpse of it. Call it out. God is calling you to call it out. And in the process of doing it, you will help that friend reach a height, soar to a place they would have never gone. Ken Blanchard wrote the book, One Minute Manager, and there's a lot of good stuff in it. One of the statements that he makes in that book, One Minute Manager, is find somebody doing something good and tell them. Now, we live in a culture right now. Isn't it true that everyone's looking for somebody who's doing something bad and then tells them? Right now, people are at each other's throats. People are fighting each other. People are mean to each other. It is unbelievable what's happening. And it's almost like I've gotten the marching orders. I got to find something wrong with that person. And then I'm going to tell them what I think. But Ken Blanchard says, hey, turn it around. You're capable of seeing, so see, but see something else. Find somebody doing something good and call it out. Now look, I've lived with a person that lives that way for all my marriage. Kathy is the most incredible encourager I've ever known. And the truth is, I would have never had the ministry that I've had without her encouragement in my life. She's calling it out and it's just not just to me. I go, we go to stores together. I just see her doing it in other people's lives. I've seen her do that in churches that we have been in. She finds something good and calls it out. And so she's teaching me. I'm learning. I want to learn. I'm not nearly where she is, but I want to be. And so there are times in which I've gotten out of my box and I have done that very thing. I was at Walmart a while back and I had a list I had to fill. And so I was looking 
and I couldn't find anything. It was obvious that the word had gotten to Walmart, Mark Hartman's coming, hide everything that he wants. And because that's what it looked like. I don't remember everything that was on the list, but I know matches were one of them. And let me just tell you, out of experience, I don't care where you think matches are at Walmart, they are not there. I, you can take my word for that. In fact, when I found the, when I was shown where the matches are, I thought, what? Why are they here? It's like, please, we don't want to sell any matches in our store. Let's put them where no one can find them. So what happened to me is I couldn't find anything. And I saw a woman, she worked there, she's an employee. And I went up to her and I said, ma'am, I, I can't find anything. I got a list and I got to fill this list. I can't find anything, would you help me? And you know what she didn't do? I'll tell you what she didn't do. She didn't say, oh yeah, matches. It's way over on the other side of the store. Think about, okay, see that sign up there? Look around that area. She did not do that. You know what she did? She took my list and she said, come with me. And we walked to the matches. She knew right where the matches were. We got matches. Then we went and got all the other stuff. I can't now remember. I probably blocked it out of my mind. But we went to all the other places and we got all the stuff. And she walked with me every step. And did you know she had a smile on her face? She was pleasant. She didn't have a bad attitude. What are you doing? You realize all the stuff I have to do at this store. Why are you bothering me? No, she acted like she was glad I had come to Walmart. Yes. And so when we got finished, you know what I did? I asked her, is there a manager around here anywhere? And she said, that guy right there is a manager. I said, now you come with me. And I took her to the manager. I think she was probably nervous. What is he going to do? And you know what I said to the manager? You must be so proud that this woman works for you, that this woman is at Walmart and that you get the privilege of having her here. So let me tell you what she just did. And I took, I explained to him, I showed him all the stuff in my cart. I told him all the things that she had done. And then I said to him, I don't know what she makes, but she deserves a raise and I want her to get one. Now she's beaming. And he looks like something really strange is just happening to him and he didn't know how to, how to understand it. But I'm gonna tell you, at her next review, I promise you, she brought up that conversation. I promise you. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if she started helping everybody the same way. I had a member in the choir after the first service came up to me and said, I think I encountered that same woman. She just went everywhere with me all over the store. What God is saying is that you know your friend and you are building this relationship with him. Help your friend go to heights that he never thought, she never thought that they could ever go. You be part of the catalyst that God uses. Find something good in that person tomorrow and call it out. And some of you are saying, you know what, I'll do that. I will, I will do that. But I'm gonna tell you this, my friend will not do it back. She won't call it out back. He won't do that back. And here's what I'm gonna to say to you. It's okay because you cannot outgive God. The Bible says, give and it'll be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall others pour into your lap? And with what measure you measure out, it'll be measured to you again. So even if your friend doesn't reciprocate that thing that you are doing to that person in that person's life, God will make sure others come. 
in your life and he will raise you up. They will show you what you did not know you could do because you gave, it'll be given back to you. The first thing that he talks about is we need to be helping each other reach our potential, reach the destiny of our life. The second principle is this, that friends help each other get through the hard times of their life. Romans chapter 15 verse two says, you, we who are strong in the faith ought to help the weak in order to build them up in the faith. So who's the weak? All of us. Who's the strong? All of us. Because there are times in all of our lives, everything's going our way, we, everything is great, we are so strong, and we can help someone else where at everything is falling apart in their life. But there are times in our life, it's all falling apart and we're in pain and we need somebody else who is strong to help us be that person, be that person that helps another person while they're going through weakness. I'd never heard of this guy's name and maybe, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Emero Forentino. He, he died at age 85, eight years ago. He was the greatest lighting engineer, designer for platforms that has ever lived. That's how he's known. This is the guy that had, was in charge of all the lighting for Frank Sinatra, Neil Diamond, Barbara Streisand, and others and others and others. He is the guy that designed all of the lighting for the Walt Disney's Epcot Center. He is the guy that was the expert, the advisor for every president. Look, they have speaking times. What is the right way to get the lighting for this moment? He was the advisor for every president since Dwight D. Eisenhower all the way to Bill Clinton. Every president. The greatest designer, lighting designer of all time. But in his high school years, it almost all came apart before it ever got started. He was in high school. This was the direction he wanted to go in his life. But there was a terrible accident that happened. Bizarre, totally bizarre accident. And the end result is that his right eye was blinded. And he never saw out of the right eye again. And here he is, a high school student, and he thinks to himself, he's in the hospital, he's in depression. He's laying in the bed and he's thinking to himself, you can't be a lighting expert with one eye. And he is laying there feeling like everything has been stripped away from him. And then one of his school teachers, yay God for school teachers. Yay God for school teachers that love their kids and helps their kids and are there for their kids. Who are partners for you. The school teacher walked into that hospital, walked right to his bedside and she said something. She probably thought... Oh, it probably sounded silly. She said, you're gonna be the best one-eyed lighting designer who has ever lived. But what she didn't realize is that she had fed him courage. He got out of that hospital and he decided that's who I wanna be. And it is who he became. And I'm telling you, there are people in our lives and they're going through pain and hurt and struggle. And you are the one that God has asked to come alongside them and to build them up 
and to be there for them. There's a third principle and it's this, friends earn, and I want you to circle the word earn, earn the privilege to speak into the lives of others, even if it hurts. So now I'm asking you to really take good notes. I'm asking you to really hear what I'm saying because this is really important in this moment in our lives. Proverbs 27, verse five and six, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now I know good and well that there may be some that are hearing this and you're saying, oh, this is now my favorite verse. I love rebuking. I just, I, I see all the things that somebody, I love rebuking, I, I love to make wounds. So I want you to hear what I'm saying. I already know that there's nobody in person at Sugar Creek that is that way, but, and probably no one is listening, but you know someone like this. So here is what I want you to understand. To rebuke somebody else. You have to earn the privilege because otherwise it comes across mean. So what does it mean? What are you talking about? You gotta earn the privilege. Learning how to do it in a way that doesn't destroy. Man, we're living right now and everybody's just beating each other up. Learning how to point out a weakness or a failure without trying to destroy. True friends love us enough to confront. True friends are honest about our strengths, but they're also honest about our weaknesses. A real friend says, I'm not going to stand by in silence and watch you make the dumbest decision of your life. A real friend walks in when other people are walking out. But when we're trying to help someone, the motive, circle the word motive, the motive of our confrontation is so that the other person can succeed. If the motive is blasting, I'm gonna show that person what I think of them. If the motive is I want to damage, I want to hurt that person, no. Listen to Psalm 141, verse five. A good man, a good woman, a good person will rebuke me in kindness. Listen to what David is saying. I want to be rebuked. But a good person will do it in kindness. The whole difference is motive. Proverbs 25, verse 15. Be patient and you will finally win. For a soft tongue can break hard bones. We think that person is so hard-headed. No, I am gonna get a hold of them. I am gonna bring it down. That's the only way I get that person's attention. But he says in this verse, God says that if you love that person and the person knows it, you just need a soft voice and you can even break hard bones because this person will hear you they know you love them. Now listen to Proverbs 15, verse 23. Everyone enjoys giving good advice and how wonderful it is to be able to say the right thing at the right time. That is really a cool thing to do. 
But now look at verse 28. A good man thinks before he speaks. But the evil man pours out his evil words without a thought. How do I know if I'm a good person or I'm an evil person? Well, this is why Jesus made such a big deal about the tongue and this is why James chapter three makes such a big deal about the tongue. A good person stops and says, I don't want to damage. I don't want to destroy. I want to help. I want this person to be successful and I want to be a part of that success. But an evil person says, I want to get back. I've had friends in this church. I've had friends in this church over the last, I've been here almost 19 years. At times in which I made wrong decisions. I I, I thought it was right. But I made wrong decisions and came up beside me. And I already knew they loved me. And in softness and kindness, they spoke into my life. And I'll never forget them. And what I'm saying is that's who God has called you to be with those deep relationships of your life. And there's one more thing. Friends help each other make peace with God. I'm hoping that you've come to know Jesus as your savior. He gave his life, died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin, rose again from the grave. And you've come to know Christ. You've given your heart to Jesus. He's been changing your life ever since. And you've been the recipient of his forgiveness and his grace. And now, once that has happened in your life, we've been called out by God to do something. Listen to what he shows us in 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. And this is the wonderful message he's given us to tell others. Now, God has touched your life. He's changed you. He is changing you. You You sang a few moments ago. You worshiped God a few moments ago from the depths of your heart because you are saved, you are changed. You have become liberated in Christ. Now, he is asking you to be a part of someone else coming to faith in Christ. He has given you this wonderful message to tell others, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you. Receive the love he offers to you. Be reconciled to God. What does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? An ambassador is someone who represents a king, a president, someone in one country, and he goes to the other country, and he interfaces with the leadership of the other country, and he represents one king to another. And you and I are an ambassador of the king of kings to our friends, to some people we don't even know. 
so that they would come to know Christ as Savior. So my question is, who's your one? Who is that one person that God has brought in your life, your next door neighbor, or that person, whoever the person is, that deep friendship of your life, and you so love them, you want them to come to know Jesus. You want them to spend eternity in heaven. Friends, help each other make peace with God. I want to draw it all together, pull it together with this one verse because I came across this verse and I've read this verse before, but it never logged, but it did this time. And I want you to hear the verse. It is Isaiah 49 verse 16. So listen to what it says. It's God speaking and God says, see, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. So one day, If you know Jesus as your savior one day, you're gonna see Jesus. And maybe you'll ask him the question, how do I know you really care about me? And he'll open up his arms and you will see the nail prints in his hands. See, I have engraved you in the palms of my hands. And I'm asking you today, Have you given your heart to Jesus? Have you accepted Christ as your savior? You may be living in Germany. You may be in Scotland. You may be in the Philippines. I don't know where you are, but have you given your heart to Jesus? And if you haven't, you can today. In just a few moments, I'm gonna pray. And when I pray, after I pray, you have the opportunity to to go to the Next Step Center virtually and talk to one of our ministers. You'll see it, Next Step Center. Go virtually, you'll talk to a real live person. How can I know Jesus? At least ask the question, at least get the information. How can I know Jesus is my savior? And on all of our physical campuses, there's a physical Next Step Center. This Next Step Center is just what is your next step, whatever it is, coming to know Christ as Savior, joining this church. Maybe it's getting involved in a ministry. Maybe it's getting involved in a small group. It's whatever it is, the next step. Go to the Next Step Center. I want to take the next step with God. And I challenge you to do it today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and oh God, we need you and we love you and you have changed our life. You have become the core purpose in our life and you brought everything in our life together and you're making sense of this life. It is amazing what you're doing for us and in us. And oh God, I pray for every person that's listening to me now that that has not yet happened. And this could be the moment. And I ask that your spirit would speak into their heart and that when many would come to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, that they would reach out and take that next step. At the Next Step Center, I want to know Jesus. Move in hearts today on our campuses and online, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.